Welcome to Money and Taxes from BB to XYZ. I'm Jason Spessiner, Certified Financial Planner and Enrolled Agent. And I'm Regina Neenan, Certified Financial Planner. Now, Jason, it is 2024. Happy New Year. Yeah, it is. And I guess we're we're flipping the script. If you didn't notice, we are going to start things off a little bit differently this time around, it sounds like. That's right. Jason, do you and your family have a nice holiday? We did. And, and we are, right? As you know, we're taping this episode a little bit before the, the meat of the holidays in December, but we are enjoying. We had a great Thanksgiving. We have some fun family time planned for it, December and, and Christmas time. We like to go into Old Town and have a carriage ride if, if we're able to with the horses through all the lights in Old Town. It's really fun. and Yeah. Enjoy all of the festivities. How about you? Uh, yeah, heading to Green Bay for the holidays to see some family. Going to do some ice skating at Lambeau Field's Title Town. So, yeah, nice kind of down home Christmas. And now, are you going to see any uh, Packers games while you're out there? Unfortunately, no. We are flying back to Colorado the day of their December 31st game. So, we should maybe be back home in time to catch it on our TV and cuddle with our cat on the couch. Nice. All right. Well, Go pack go, as they say in in Green Bay. Yes. Huh? I might get some nasty grams for that one. Huh? It's always such <laughs> yeah, a divisive topic, right? Like, whose football team are you rooting for? Oh man, no, it's scary, scary stuff. I know it. Yeah, I almost got into that with a client yesterday, but luckily they were they weren't hating on my Packers, so it all ended up being all right. It's always a friendly rivalry, right? I mean, it's never something that's totally like outrageous. Indeed. One of my goals for 2023, which I didn't even realize was a goal until I heard that it was happening, was going to a Packers game. And that kind of brings me to what I would love for us to talk about today, and that is our goals for 2024. Um, I checked that off my bucket list um, in 2023, and yeah, looking forward to the new year and what it has to bring. And of course, now is the time when a lot of us are setting goals. So I thought we'd talk about what you and I are planning to do and maybe see if we can relate that to what some of the different generations might be planning for their own brand new year here. Now, this is sort of a interesting topic because we get to explore, I guess, what we're going to be working on for the next year while at the same time, yeah, trying to relate it to this, you know, out there concept of, of relating it to a different generation, somebody that may be much older than us, much younger than us, and understanding how this goal setting process, I suppose, works and how we are able to use it to, I guess, inspire. I feel like goals are just inspiration, really, right? It's something that you're sort of achieving or wanting to achieve and aspiring towards. And so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a cool thing to riff on for a little while. I'll start us off here on the financial side of things. Jason, you know that I've talked about this way before we even started a podcast and then also on quite a few episodes that I love my Roth IRA. So one of my big goals for this year is to max that out. Reminder, like you heard in a previous episode, the maximum for 2024 is $7,000. And you get the extra catch up if you're 50 plus. So keep that in mind. Right. And then if you need to make your Roth IRA contribution for 2023, you still have until tax day. So you've got about another three months here. And that maximum is $6,500 with that same $1,000 catch up. So make sure you get on that. That really applies to so many, actually all of our generations, potentially anybody who is working and has earned income. So there, I just kind of hit every generation with one goal of mine that maybe they might want to include in their goals for the new year too. 
Yeah, no, that's a good one. And it's it's also maybe reflective of your dink status or your dink whack status, right? <laughs> you know, with your dual income and, and no kids with your kitty. But for me going into the year, it always seems like, especially after the holidays, and this is just sort of how they how they happen, what ends up happening with three kids and needing to get all of the things for the holidays and get get the festivities going in the right direction. I always feel like I'm spending a little bit of time building back my EFOF. So I'm, I'm spending the first couple of months. You know how there's that tax-free day that everyone talks about where that's the day that once you've cleared it on the calendar, you no longer are sort of working for Uncle Sam. Well, for me, probably the first month or two of the year is where I'm no longer working for my EFOF and topping that off. And so that'll be an early goal for me is to just sort of get myself back on track there. And then, of course, looking towards those longer term saving opportunities. I just take a little bit more time to sort of uh, matriculate to that point to, to have that goal get into the picture. And of course, you were talking about your emergency and future opportunities fund, your EFOF there. And that's another one that really spans all the generations because who doesn't need to refill their emergency fund after maybe some holiday shopping, some holiday traveling, or just getting reset for success in the new year? Yeah, and it's always going to apply, right? No matter what stage of life you're at, whether you're retired, whether you are in your highest earning years, whether you're just starting out, that foundational part of the EFOF. And I thought we had made that a thing that all of our listeners knew exactly what it was. But yes, emergency and future opportunities fund. But yeah, it becomes such a important foundational part of your financial plan, because there are a lot of ways to kind of blow up that plan if you don't have that underlying EFOF, whether it's taking on debt, whether it's you know, having that income disruption and really no place to sort of turn to and work towards as far as like actually getting the bills paid. That EFOF super important. It's like creating your own really important foundation, that building block for that financial plan. And it can come in handy in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Starting the new year fresh, refreshing that EFOF. Let's chat a little bit about our income earners, people who are actively working, because they're probably going to be refilling their EFOFs from their income. But for folks who are financially independent or retired, why don't you tell us how they might look at filling that EFOF back up or topping it off? Well, there's some interesting stuff that starts to creep in there, especially when you think of the tax circumstances and the other sort of moving parts of somebody's financial plan once they are financially independent. You may have some pension income, some social security, those sorts of things, maybe not. And then you will have your assets, the things that are the resources from which you create income or you create dollars in, in inflows. And so what the EFOF becomes in that stage of your life is really the safety net. I've heard it referred to as safety net, war chest, like whatever you, whatever sort of terminology you want to use for it. But it's the money that's not at risk and it's available to you in a pretty relatively short period of time. It doesn't need to be like in your checking account where it's probably not earning anything, but it should be fairly close by earning a decent amount of money, but not at risk of loss to principal. Well, how do you do that? Like, where do you come up with that? Well, if you already have taxable invested assets, which simply means that you haven't put them into like an IRA, you haven't put them into a tax qualified account, those dollars are taxable to you as you earn interest or dividends on the money or when you sell something and you have a gain. That's probably where you end up turning to raise or, or shore up some cash initially. It's a pretty tax efficient way. Believe it or not, the name sort of implies that it might be scary on the tax side because it's taxable, but really it actually becomes fairly efficient to have those dollars out there. 
You may also consider things like your RMD if you have to take a required minimum distribution from a, an IRA or maybe even an inherited IRA. That might be a good source to, again, take those dollars out of that account, take it out of some investment, some at-risk source or resource that you own and put it into something that is not at risk and just earning interest and available to you in a short period of time. Yeah. And beyond that, of course, you have your other ways to invest. And we've talked about these in previous episodes. So just kind of a brief overview here. If you have access to a health savings account through a high deductible health plan, great tax advantages there. It's where you might want to stick some dollars in 2024. Beyond that, your 401k, if you get a company match, take the free money, invest beyond that if you can. I already talked about IRA and Roth IRA. But uh, just to touch on the IRA portion of that a little bit more, tax-advantaged account. There's also Backdoor Roth. Head back and check out our episode on Roth if you're interested in that. But Jason, what am I missing? Where else should people be putting these tax-advantaged dollars before we get into the more fun stuff? You know, if, if you're thinking about where you can create some some great tax efficiency, you've, you've hit the major ones, right? Your HSA, your Roth IRA, your employer-sponsored retirement plan accounts. You could even delve into, I mean, if you really have maxed everything out and you're also looking at potentially saving for education, for example, that might be another spot where you might want to consider getting some dollars that have some tax efficiencies in the future. And that, of course, would be like a 529 plan account. I could think of lots of places where if you're just simply looking at other parts of your financial plan and you're looking where can you deploy dollars effectively, sometimes not always does the tax ramification sort of steer the boat, right? You may look at things like you need long-term disability insurance or you need life insurance or you need somewhere to deploy these dollars. You have the surplus, you have money available and you really want to make the best use of them. Like make sure that you're considering those other you know, somewhat foundational, maybe, you know, I think of insurance as sort of like if EFOF is the concrete foundation, insurance might be the framing of the home, right? If we're just going to like dive into that metaphor a bunch, right? But but that's it, right? Is you've got to go to that next step in that that construction process of your financial plan. And so that might be it as well. So let's dig into the more fun stuff here, because I'm sure that we all have goals for the new year beyond, you know, filling up the accounts to a certain level that we want to hit or, you know, making sure that we have the insurance that we need for the new year. Perhaps it's having some goals to have some fun or take on a project or something along those lines. You're totally right. And one of my goals for 2024 is making memories. It seems like every year I go into this idea of making memories for my kids, but that is absolutely going to be a goal and priority for me and myself and Casey. But a couple of trips we already have planned, we already have on the calendar. We know that uh, during spring break, we're actually going to go see a family member we haven't seen in a while and go visit an area of the country we haven't been in a while. And that's in the Southwest. We're going to go down to the Phoenix and, and Mesa, Arizona area and see the best man at my wedding, as well as one of Casey's cousins who actually just had a baby. So we'll get to go experience some of that family fun and enjoy some friends. And then this summer, we're actually going to head out to to Florida. My, my oldest daughter is a competitive dancer and there's a national competition that'll be happening in July in, in Orlando, sort of near Disney. So we're going to do the competition, do the whole convention and all that experience, and then spend a few days after that going to uh, Disney World where the, the kids have never been. So obviously the tie-in with finance there, if you've ever been to Disney, you know that it's going to take quite a bit of resource to make that happen and pull that off. So we are already preparing in earnest for our trip this summer. And that spring break trip sounds really nice. Go to an area with a little bit better better weather where maybe they don't have snow. Yeah, we'll warm it up just a little bit earlier this year, I feel like, and, and get to enjoy some of that. And yeah, see some see some people we haven't really had a good chance to connect with in a while, for sure. 
Did a little birdie also tell me that you are considering going to one of your favorite places this year? One of my favorite places this year. Let's see. I'm thinking of going. Well, I know we're going to New Orleans early here in 2024. So I, depending on when this episode actually comes out, I may be there as you're listening to this. But yeah, so I'll be spending a little time in New Orleans again for my oldest dance adventure. She she basically the way this works is she, she drags me around to all these different, you know, conventions or intensives and it's really fun to do. Like I enjoy it cuz I get to go see a place and she gets to go get a lot of good training and whatnot, but it's a way to sort of travel and experience things through the eyes and ears of your of your children while they get to learn and expand their abilities and potential. That's awesome. Now, how are you preparing financially for all of these trips? Well, it's dollars that are going to be spent within a certain period of time. So right now, this time frame is well within the 12-month window. It's, in some cases, well within the six-month window. And so, you know, New Orleans, that's all done. I've done a lot of rewards travel, you know, because we end up in hotels often or, or sort of in the scenario where we have some points that are built up. For example, going to New Orleans at a free flight, which was great, took advantage of those reward points, got a pretty good discount on the hotel because the convention itself provided that. We did a trip to Los Angeles and I did again a lot of reward travel on that. But for the stuff where we don't have rewards available, where we need to actually pay for the dollars, it's it's one of two things. It's either starting to pay for it as kind of pay as you go sort of thing. So you know, you book the flight, right? You got to make that payment. Book the hotel and you know that that's kind of a almost think of a hotel booking in a lot of cases. If you unless you want to save, like sometimes they'll give you a little promo to pay right now, but I like the flexibility. So I look at that as sort of an interest-free loan to have those dollars sort of accounted for and know that I have to spend them in whatever period of time we're going to be in that hotel, but not necessarily commit to it right up front and just have those dollars set aside. They're earning interest for me and and you know my savings account and so on. But really just trying to space out what I need and when and make sure that those dollars are available. They're not at risk. They're not invested in the market or anything like that because I know I'm going to use those dollars in, in just that short period of time. And just being prudent with sort of like laying it out there and, and making sure that I'm paying what's due and when it's due. And that's the way I've always approached it. I love that. And you know, you mentioned that you're going to go to an area of the country that you haven't been to before, and I'm planning to do the same in 2024. I'm going to go check out the East Coast at some point, so yeah. decide where I want to move next. Yeah. It'll be a little adventure to see where I fit and uh, where I might want to live for the next few years ahead of a potential, potential at this point, move in 2025, maybe 2026 at the latest. So in planning for that on the financial side of things, maxing out my EFOF, making sure that I have those extra dollars ready for when I need them so that the dollars that I'm promising to my Roth IRA don't get used on travel by accident. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I love to do is break my budget down into months. Of course, I look at my budget in the scope of a year about with how much I'm spending. Of course, I look at my life in terms of my financial plan to make sure that everything's going to work out in the long run. But I break it down further based on that. And so if I know I have an expense coming up in February, that's going into my February budget so that I can move any extra dollars I have from January into February to help support that larger goal that's going to happen in a specific month. So uh, that might be a little over the top for some folks, but being that I am our resident budgeter and director of cash flow, it works really well for me. I need to have that level of control. Yeah. And it's interesting what you're doing there, right? The interconnection between not only like preparing for that trip so you can sort of city hop and town hop on the East Coast and figure out where you want to be next, but then also think about the sort of 
forethought or the the look ahead that you're going to have as far as cost of living in these areas and knowing, knowing and understanding like if you decide to move to whatever, you know, make it a Boston, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, I don't know, right? But you're you're looking at these spots and thinking about that and understanding those costs. That's a lot of good sort of on the ground intel. Tell me how much of that, you know, is going to go into that trip that you're taking. Like how how much is sort of geared towards not only just feeling sort of in the right spot, non-financial basis, but also the finances behind it. Yeah, it's going to be both and, and I'm keeping it flexible. I don't have, you know, $2,000 specifically set aside for my half of the trip, knowing that, hey, my partner's going to kick in hit the other half and we're going to make that work. That might be a little bit low, actually, because we're planning to spend some time out there, yeah, to really decide what's going to be right for us. It's kind of a big move. So we're just going to play it by ear, make sure that we're we're not dedicating dollars to anywhere where they're not going to be accessible. And also knowing that if we spend maybe less than we might be envisioning, we can always add those into savings later. We might miss out temporarily on some free money, some interest at the bank or some movement upward in the stock market. But we're doing what we need to do for us right now to make 2024 successful and achieve the goal that we want to achieve. Yeah. And that's, that's good, good tip for anyone, especially, right? If you're thinking of, you know, generation Y and Z, where maybe you have a little bit more sort of flexibility in your location and maybe you are looking for that right spot. Those are some great pointers, great tips to figure out how to make this work and how to do it in a, a prudent way, right? And do it in a way that sort of pre- you're prepared for it rather than just letting yourself just sort of land somewhere because you threw a dart at a at a map and didn't really understand like what would be coming next on a cost of living basis or even on a day-to-day sort of inflows and outflows and and preparing for that move. So it's awesome. No, that's that's great stuff. So Jason, we talked a little bit about financial stuff some personal goals. What about professionally? What are you hoping to achieve in this year? Yeah, well, financial planning for Collins, we are growing, right? And so it's it's really exciting to see that sort of continue. And, and I don't know if we've talked about it much on the show, but we did take some time in October. We did a retreat up in Steamboat Springs, which is just a beautiful town. It was a great time to go up there and really just sort of knock around some ideas, figure out where we want to get to next and what kind of growth objectives, you know, we have. And having recently just hired someone added to our team, really looking at building in our capacity to deliver more of the type of financial planning that that I think sets us apart and how we actually create our financial plans and, and implement those plans for clients. So looking forward to expanding that, looking forward to meeting some milestones as far as firm size and, and ability to you know, serve our clients in a specific way that, that I think is really just embraces and it improves our holistic approach. And so, yeah, I think 2024 is going to be a really fun year for that. I think it's going to be sort of that inflection point year as far as the next big step in, in financial planning for Collins. How about you? Ah, well, I think you kind of took care of everything on the firm level. So I guess personally, I'm thinking about whether I want to add another designation, some letters after my name and trying to decide which direction I want to take there professionally. So Jason, you'll be hearing more about that. Our listeners are probably going to be hearing more about that as I decide what to study next. But yeah, just know that that's on the horizon. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to finding out more. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, let's let's talk about today's takeaways. The the first one I think is very obvious is have some goals, right? Have some aspirations, have some ends that you're trying to reach to. It keeps us moving forward, keeps us grounded in our planning and helps us to evaluate what's important to us and, and how we want to move forward. 
Number two, build that financial foundation. If you need to top off your EFOF after 2023, go for it. Start there and kind of build up from there as you tackle your other financial goals, whether it is saving for retirement or having some fun. And of course, right, the the last one here is, you know, we talk a lot about money and taxes, of course, that's in the show title, but understand the importance of some of the non-financial goals, the non-financials that go into your planning and really embrace whether it's family, whether it's professional, whatever that might be, really embrace that next challenge, that next opportunity that you can do to improve and to grow. Now, if you have a fun goal that you'd like to share with us that you are pursuing for 2024, or if you have a location on the East Coast that you think I should visit, reach out to us. You can email money and taxes from BB to XYZ at podcast at fpfoco.com. This show was written and produced by me, Jason Spessner. And me, Regina Neenan. I also edited the episode. Well, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Jason Spessner and Regina Neenan are investment advisor representatives of Financial Planning Fort Collins, a registered investment advisor. The information in this podcast is provided for general educational and entertainment purposes only. It may not apply to you or your specific circumstances and should not be considered financial, investment, or tax advice. 